0: 1380 has an engine
1: fire descending. On April 17th, 2018, Southwest Airlines flight 1380 from New York to Dallas suffered an engine explosion.
2: Right yes sir, we're single engine descending. Could you have the uh, medical us there on the runway as well, we've got um, injured passengers. Injured passengers, okay. And are you, is your airplane physically on fire? No, it's not on fire, but part of its mission. They said there was a hole, and uh, someone went out. — Um, I'm sorry, you said there was a hole and somebody went out? — Southwest 1380, it doesn't matter. We'll work it out.
1: The heroic response of the crew, especially the pilot crew, brought the plane safely to the ground. Southwest SVP and CCO, Linda Rutherford, and her team were at the center of the response, not just handling the media deluge, but steering the company through the crisis with an eye toward its corporate identity and its values. How does a fun-loving brand react authentically to such a serious situation? Linda joins us to recount the decisions that were made and the work that her team did to recognize the tragic loss of life and the remarkable heroism of the crew. I'm Elliot Mizrahi. This is The New CCO. Tell me exactly what happened that day.
3: Well, um, I want to walk you through everything that the company experienced and our people experienced. But just to get us started, we are obviously still at this point in an active investigation with the National Transportation Safety Mm -hmm. Board. So the uh, insights that I want to offer to you today are obviously done respectfully. Um, uh, There was obviously a tragic loss of life. And uh, nothing that I'll be able to get into today would speculate or provide a hypothesis as to the cause of the accident. That would obviously be for the National Transportation Safety Board to provide. Understood. Sure. But um, that said, uh, April 17th um, 2018, as you mentioned, Flight 1380 had boarded uh, New York LaGuardia and was going to travel nonstop to Dallas. While in flight, Uh, one of the engines experienced uh, a catastrophic engine failure. This morning, newly released video showing the terrifying scene on board Southwest flight 1380. When it did so, pieces of the aircraft engine flew flew out of the engine. This passenger wearing her oxygen mask recording as a flight attendant, desperately tries to calm people down.
4: Please, we are all there.
3: And uh, some of those pieces actually hit the side of the aircraft. Uh, one of which actually pierced the side of the fuselage and created a massive depressurization event.
2: Passenger Marty Martinez, Facebook live streaming what he thinks will be his death. All of a sudden, we hear this loud explosion, and it it. Like within a span of five seconds, all of the uh, all of the oxygen masks deployed, and then uh, just a few seconds later, another explosion happened, and it was a window that just completely exploded,
3: which tragically caused uh, one of the passengers seated in a window seat uh, to be partially taken out of the aircraft.
2: And um, as you can imagine, everybody was going crazy and yelling and screaming.
3: Um, heroically the crew as well as several passengers on board that airplane um, managed to get um, Jennifer Reardon back into the airplane uh, and begin to administer emergency medical treatment. The attendant yelling out the location of the defibrillator. It's in the,
4: the front, uh, cabinet.
1: So I've seen these types of things in movies and TV shows, and it looks very dramatic. But in reality, when something like this happens, do you know what it feels like in the plane? What what might the passengers been experiencing in that moment?
3: It really did depend on where you were sitting. Obviously, the closer you were to where the The hole happened in the aircraft, it sounded much more dramatic uh, in terms of wind effects, and obviously there was a a significant pressure change. Um, People who were many rows back might have heard a whirring noise, Um, but regardless, when an aircraft experiences a depressurization event, what will happen is the oxygen masks will drop, uh, and obviously the flight crew that's in the cockpit is working to get the aircraft down to an altitude where it would be safe to breathe without the aid of oxygen.
2: Southwest thirteen eighty. I understand your emergency. Let me know when you want to go in. Yeah we have a part of the aircraft that so we're going to need to slow down a bit. Southwest thirteen eighty speed is your discretion. Maintain uh at any altitude above three thousand feet and you let me know when you want to turn base. Alright. Down to three thousand.
3: So our flight attendants would have been instructing everyone on the use of their oxygen masks making sure everyone was safely seat belted in their seats, uh, and then obviously uh, understanding what had happened um, when the passenger uh, was was partially taken from the airplane because of the depressurization event.
2: Could you have the uh, medical meet us there on the runway as well? We've got uh, injured passengers. Injured passengers, okay, and are you, is your airplane physically on fire? No, it's not on fire, but part of it's missing. They said there was a hole and uh, someone went out. Um, I'm sorry. You said there was a hole and somebody went out. Southwest 1380. Doesn't matter. We'll work it out there. Uh, so the airport's just off to your right. Report it inside, please.
1: When did you first find out what was happening in the air? So
3: on April 17th, I was part of a leadership team that was actually off-site away from our headquarters building and we were going through some leadership training. Um, we obviously have an emergency notification system. So uh, if there were to be a, a, an emergency with any part of our operation, there is an immediate notification that goes out to a set of individuals to let them know what's going on. So we got a message saying that we'd had an aircraft diverting to Philadelphia and that it had experienced an engine failure.
1: And this so, is on your cell phones, so you're uh, all in the meeting. Right. And so it's- you're getting
3: texts. And so uh, we dialed into our network operations center and and tried to hear you know what was going on, and upon hearing the report we understood how serious uh, this, this event was. M- most of the members of that leadership team are also part of our emergency response effort, so we all made our way back to headquarters uh, at, in Dallas near Love Field, and then we immediately began um, reporting to our headquarters emergency command center, what we call the HEC, and we have 34 different teams. that are assigned different responsibilities in an emergency response. And so uh, members of the executive team uh, convened in that room to begin to hear more details and to find out uh, what we needed to do to enact our emergency plan.
1: Is the plane still in the air? You're still getting regular updates about what's happening?
3: Right. So that was obviously, you know, a period of 30 minutes or less. And uh, in the meantime, we're breaking the meeting that we had off site. We're returning to
2: headquarters. Southwest 1380, turn. uh, just start turning southbound there. There's a Southwest 737 on a four mile final. We'll be turning southbound. Start looking for the airport. It's off to your right and slightly behind you there. And uh, altitude is your discretion. Use caution for the uh, downtown area.
3: Uh, By the time we got to headquarters, we Had another call.
2: But right now, continuing the arrival, everybody pull back to 170 knots. America 585, turn left in 360. Expect vectors to cross the localizer. This might end up shutting down the airport, so we might have to do something.
3: The plane uh, decided to make an emergency diversion to the Philadelphia airport.
2: Southwest 1380, runway 27 left, clear
4: to land. They were having to drop the plane 20,000 feet in five minutes, you know, come to find out, and the pilots you.
2: We're going to stop right here by the, uh, five, uh, Thanks guys for the help.
3: Once the airplane was on the ground, you know, we began obviously all of the uh, emergency response efforts that we're we're trained to enact but hope we never have to use. Uh, emergency responders were obviously on site tending to passengers. Uh, fire department was obviously on the scene. And, um, you know, our Philadelphia uh, airport employees began working with them to just understand what we needed to do to secure the aircraft and, and um, begin to, you know, understand and inspect what had happened. Um, we, uh, we first got, you know, Jennifer Reardon off, um, the airplane so that the emergency personnel could tend to her, uh, and then began asking others if there were any other injuries or anything else that, um, that the, uh, paramedics needed to take a look at. Um, but sadly she did not survive.
1: You're leading the communications team when this news comes across. What are some of the first things that you're thinking about?
3: Well, as a as a human being, the first thing you do is you you race to what is the status of the customers on board and what is the status of our crew. So even in the drive that I was making from the offsite back to headquarters, I was just hoping that everyone was okay. Um, that ended up not being the case, which of course you know takes an a an emotional toll. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's, it's the worst of circumstances to have to um, talk about somebody dying. And it was uh, intense, uh, for sure. The, the only blessing in all of this is that Southwest does take the time and the resources to, to be prepared. We have an emergency response plan. We practice it. Those 34 teams I mentioned all know what their roles are. They know what their duties are. We everybody just sort of gets to business to understand, you know, what they need to do to help uh, Southwest Airlines uh, navigate what's happened. Um, when we learned that. The uh, passenger was actually from Albuquerque. So the original itinerary was to go from Dallas, or from, excuse me, from New York LaGuardia to Dallas and then change planes and and be able to get to Albuquerque. Um, We knew that we needed to decide where we wanted to deploy those resources. So we had a group of people who needed to go to Philadelphia, we had a group of people who needed to go to Albuquerque, and then obviously we were managing the event um, from our headquarters offices in Dallas.
1: What source of communication are you doing in the first thirty minutes or hour?
3: So the the, the social business team is setting up all their monitoring to find out what's happening real time in our corporate listening center. So what are customers saying about this? What are um, what are the authorities you know tweeting about this? Uh, There is a communications team that sets up a media command center to be able to triage the calls and emails that are coming in from members of the news media. Uh, I'm in the headquarters emergency command center, and we are preparing initial statements that need to go out publicly as well as to our employees. We've got 60,000 employees that are sort of spread across 100 different locations in North America, uh, Mexico, Caribbean, Central America, and so we want to make sure that they understand uh, what we know at that point. So there is a massive communications effort, obviously, that gets underway. Uh, It's done in full coordination with the NTSB, um, because when there is an accident, they become the authority that drives all of the information. And so when we want to issue a statement, uh, whether it's inside or outside the organization, we're in very close collaboration to make sure that um, our statement doesn't do or say anything that violates uh, the rules of engagement that the NTSB has established.
1: So there's a flurry of activity happening Absolutely. at headquarters very quickly. Yep. One of the things that I think was most striking here was the composure of the crew, the captain, Tammy Jo Schultz. Tell me a little bit about her and the way that she rose to the occasion in this instance.
3: Tammy Jo is a former military uh, aviator and uh, came to Southwest um, just really excited to to join sort of the commercial aviation ranks. Uh, Her husband is also a captain for Southwest Airlines. And originally, the flight plan was that he was going to fly the flight that day. And um, they have uh, a son who had some school activities that Tammy Jo really wanted to be able to get to, so they decided to trade uh, their flight plan, and Tammy Jo took that flight uh, from her husband to fly that day. So uh, one of my favorite stories is when her husband actually said, well, I'm glad Tammy Jo was flying that particular flight that day. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, you absolutely had the right pilot in the right place at the right time. Um, But she's a remarkable woman, just uh, very warm, very kind. I'm sure you've heard some of the air traffic control um, um, conversations that were happening between her and the controllers and her calm demeanor, uh, I think, you know, was certainly the result of, of training, um, as as well as just a, a ton of experience, um, in being one of, uh, you know, thousands of our very talented pilots.
1: CNN described her composure as that with which one would order a sandwich at a deli. She's polite.
2: Wherever you need to assign. Thank you. We're going to stop right here by the uh, fire truck. Thanks, guys, for the help.
1: Clearly, somebody who felt comfortable in that situation.
3: Absolutely. I mean, obviously, well trained and executed the training that was needed uh, on that day. Up in the air, two things were happening. So in the cockpit, what the captain and the first officer were working on was getting the airplane safely on the ground in Philadelphia without completely understanding what the depressurization event looked like You know, in the main cabin. Uh, what the flight attendants were doing was making sure everyone was safely in their seat, that they were utilizing oxygen if they needed to, um, that we were giving emergency care uh, to passengers who um, had been injured, um, and obviously to Mrs. Reardon but there is a, um, as you can imagine, just sort of a controlled chaos uh, in that period. Uh, Internally, we have a recognition called winning spirit, and that is when we are able to recognize the efforts of an employee or a group of employees that show extraordinary leadership. Recently, at the end of August, uh, the flight crew was honored uh, with a winning spirit award for their efforts on that day and since. And um, the humility that you hear when each of them speaks is also, I think, a testimony to their their gentle uh, leadership, but obviously um, powerful leadership as they showed us that day.
1: Do her and Sully hang out in some hero pilot's club somewhere?
3: <laughs> you know, my understanding is that Sully did reach out to Tammy Jo uh, after uh, the accident, I think, with some words of encouragement. I, I don't know exactly what that conversation was about, but I know that, that uh, they, have, they have made contact.
1: <laughs> so coming back to you at headquarters, you've got your team together. We're past first hour or so, the plane has landed safely, what kinds of questions are you asking yourself and asking your team, or is the organization asking you, in terms of how to respond or where to go next?
3: You know, we're obviously, so on the ground, we're cooperating with the authorities and the emergency responders. Uh, we are trying to get a correct assessment as to injuries. Um, we're trying to get confirmation at that point what the severity of Mrs. Reardon's injuries were um, and, and, you know, into those hours learning that she, uh, in fact, it passed away. Um, we were trying to ensure the, the safety of the crew um, as they were working to try and you know, close up the aircraft um, and, get, and we needed to get briefings and, and you know, accounts from them. Um, we were at the same time working with all of the other passengers on board that airplane because they had destinations that they needed to get to. So once we got them back into the airport, it was um, you know, who, who still wanted to fly. Um, and we had the majority of the passengers wanted to be booked on another Southwest flight, so we were able to accommodate that to get them home that evening. There were some who decided that they wanted to kind of stay in a hotel room and, um, and, and sort of uh, calm down, and, and uh, they booked later travel. There were a few who opted you know, not to fly uh, Southwest, and we made other arrangements for them, whether it was you know, rental cars, trains, or accommodations on another airline. It, it was extremely somber. I think in our headquarters emergency command center when we learned that in fact uh, Mrs. Reardon's injuries were severe um, enough that she had uh, that she'd passed away, and so you know that's a um, an inflection moment I think. And then the difficulty of of respectfully then communicating that, uh, being able to confirm what the coroner was telling us. Uh, so those were probably some of the most difficult, obviously, communications um, that I've had to write uh, and, and edit uh, in a 26-year in a career with Southwest Airlines. But it was um, um, also a really good reminder uh, throughout the process that we wanted to respect that life. Uh, we wanted to respect that loss. And when we made the decision to deploy some... Southwest Resources to Albuquerque Uh, it was completely at the service of the family to find out what their needs were um, to be able to help them understand what had happened and um, and to be there for them in the in the week after that uh, to help with any needs that might come up.
1: I can hear in your voice how much you cared and how much your team cared, and, the, and the, the care that you took to make sure that everybody was taken care of. And that, I'm sure, came across in the communications that you were putting together. But at the same time, Southwest's persona is very kind of fun-loving. I think that's actually part of the, the culture. What challenges did that kind of thing Represent in terms of reconciling the persona with an appropriate seriousness of the response.
3: That's a that's a great question. You know, Southwest Airlines does have a bold personality. Um, we are known for you know irreverence. We invite our flight attendants to really show their senses of humor and talents on board the airplane. Whether that's you know singing the public safety announcement or you know, maybe cracking a joke. Um, this, in the aftermath of the accident, that was not the time for that. So uh, we took several measures, uh, which we um, are, are prepared to do. But for instance, we send a note out to the flight attendants and we tell them that um, if they normally have a humorous shtick or um, if they're used to being very playful with passengers, that they just be respectful of what had happened uh, and that they not, um, you know, engage in a lot of joke telling. Uh, one of the other big changes that we made is um, we have a pretty vibrant uh, corporate logo, which is a tricolor color heart. Um, and we made... It's on the belly of the the planes. It's, on, it's everywhere. It's on the belly of the airplanes. It's on business cards. It's, it's all over the place. It's in our, you know, branded logo on the ticket counter back walls. I mean, it, it's everywhere. Uh, but in the places where we could, we made a decision to make a change out of respect for what had happened. And uh, it was something, you know, y- you don't ever want an accident to happen. But at the same time, if they ever do anywhere in the world, we, we look at that Uh, from a case study perspective to see if there are lessons that can be learned and uh, in particular when AirAsia had their accident uh, their corporate logo is a very vibrant blood orange and uh, they uh, through through some corporate decisions decided to go to sort of a monochromatic black gray and white logo and it was out of respect for the loss of life and the fatalities that they had with their accident. And we took a look at that and said, you know, that's that's something that could make a lot of sense for Southwest Airlines because the corporate ho- logo is a heart. Um, because if we were ever in the situation where we had a loss of life, that we would want to show respect for that. So we did make the decision uh, in all of our digital spaces. So on our website, um, on our mobile app, uh, on our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, digital properties, we did go to a monochromatic blue Uh, logo and we did that for a period of days it it, it varied by channel but it was a show of respect Um, it was the first time we'd ever done that and um, it just it felt like the right thing to do because we knew that in the aftermath of this accident it was not business as usual
1: it must have also been a big logistical challenge was was this a decision that was made in the aftermath, that something that it was agreed would be an appropriate response, or was this a plan that you had in advance that you hoped would ne- you would never have to enact?
3: Uh, there had been advanced work done on what the logos could look like. Um, there were steps made to understand what the process would look like if we wanted to change that. So today that decision sits with me as the CCO as well as our chief marketing officer. We make that decision together, uh, which we did. It felt like the right thing to do. I, I still believe it is the right thing to do. And then we began the process of making those changes um, in all of our digital properties. The, um, the properties that market to customers, so our mobile app and our website went back after several days to um, uh, more of our traditional logo and, and digital brand treatment. The social platforms stayed uh, in the monochromatic blue a little while longer. That was a judgment call that wasn't necessarily pre-planned, but we sort of woke up each day to take a look at, you know, what was the current situation, what felt like the appropriate thing to do. There were obviously still many conversations happening in the digital spaces and on social platforms about the accident. It didn't feel right to take those properties back to business as usual as quickly. So um, we decided to keep the, the, the monochromatic logo there for a bit longer. So um, in a nutshell, I guess I would say that you know we, we planned to use it if we needed it. Um, we followed our process to have the conversation and decided to change the logo. But how those properties returned to more of a business as usual, we really did by gut feel.
1: And, and what when you made those changes, it conveys something about the company's feeling about this. What kind of response did the public seem to give to that sort of a gesture?
3: Yeah, the, the public got it right away, uh, as did our employees. Our employees began to pick up the monochromatic heart and made it their profile pic on their Twitter and Facebook posts, uh, also as a show of respect. Uh, for the loss of life so I couldn't have predicted that either we didn't ask our employees to pick up the the heart and begin to use it as their logo in their profiles they just did Uh, and so we obviously were monitoring and saw that that activity was taking place again um, it was completely meant as uh, a way to show the somberness of the event and a way to show respect uh, for the passenger who passed away and I think um, again our employees intuitively picked up on that right away. The public sentiment was very understanding of why we were doing it and we didn't really see, uh, we didn't see any negative backlash uh, from the decision to do that.
1: When you as a communications person are dealing with the world of Twitter and, and the internet, like, was any part of you afraid that this image once you put it out there, it would like end up in a meme somewhere or, is there like any personal fear about making a gesture like this and then dealing with the internet?
3: You know, part of our emergency response effort is to do real time listening uh, with everything that's happening uh, online. And it's probably impossible to harness the internet, But what we needed to do was to show proper respect for what had happened.
1: And your CEO made a statement in the early hours as well, yeah?
3: Yeah, I mentioned that the you know, we had one team that was setting up the social command center and listening to real-time conversations happening there. I mentioned we were we had a team that was setting up a media command center. Uh, we had another team that was basically setting up a room to be able to do a live news conference. Uh, and we have a uh, members of the team that were preparing uh, facts as we knew them uh, to be able to share with our CEO so that he could go out with an initial statement.
4: It is with great sadness that I confirm there was a passenger fatality on flight 1380 today. This is a sad day, and on behalf of the entire Southwest family, I want to extend my deepest sympathies for the family and the loved ones of our deceased customer. They are our immediate and primary concern
3: and so we not only conducted that um, that media press conference, uh, but he also recorded a video uh, that was predominantly for our employees to help explain what had happened, uh, but we used it on some of our external channels as well. Um, it was just another way for Gary Kelly as our CEO to be able to express Uh, his sympathies, his condolences, and really set the mood and the tone for how we were all going to respond to this accident.
4: I do want to thank and commend our flight crew for their swift action and for safely landing this aircraft. I also want to thank all involved in Philadelphia for their quick, professional, and compassionate response. This is a sad day, and our hearts go out to the family and loved ones of the deceased customer. Please join us in offering thoughts and prayers and support to all of those affected by today's tragedy.
3: One of the things that we can consider is are we, whether or not we want to give the customers on board that airplane a gesture of goodwill. The decision was made very quickly. We absolutely want to do that. Uh, we chose to ga- give the customers each $5,000, no strings attached. Uh, we refunded, obviously, their round-trip air travel. Uh, We did hear from several customers uh, who, when they received the money, actually phoned us and said, thank you, it wasn't necessary. Um, I I know that you're doing the right thing, I know it was just an accident. We actually had one customer on board that airplane send the check back and say, you do not need to pay me any money, I'm a loyal Southwest customer, and you know bad things happen sometimes, and um, I'm returning the check because I don't need it, which is remarkable. Um, But, you know, helping the company make those kinds of decisions to to lean toward the customer.
1: So you said your team is listening to conversations that are happening around this event. What kinds of things were you hearing and, and how did those inform what steps you might take next?
3: In the in the days after the accident, uh, what we noticed were a, a couple of key uh, storylines that were emerging. Certainly, there was uh, sympathy for the loss of the passenger and thoughts and prayers going to her family. Uh, there was um, a desire to understand what might have happened. So, what caused the engine failure? And then an interesting one began to emerge, which was in an, and a growing positive sentiment for the actions of the crew, both the pilots and the flight attendants. It was uh, juiced, if you will, when the air traffic control uh, tapes were released and you could see, you could hear how calm uh, the, the flight crew was as they were maneuvering that airplane uh, to Philadelphia. That just began to take on a life of its own in terms of the uh, remarkable efforts uh, that the flight crew made to take care of the people on board the airplane as well as to get that plane safely on the ground. Um, it was really interesting in that it, it, it ended up becoming a side story to the actual response to the accident of people who wanted to know Captain Tammy Jo Schultz's background and who wanted to know, you know, what was the story of the flight attendants? Um, they made a decision as a, as a group, the five of them, um, to really, uh, decide if they were going to do media interviews together, which I thought was admirable, so no one was looking to be a star. Uh, We certainly were not going to push them to do anything that they didn't want to do uh, because they too needed to process what had happened. Um, And we also needed to be very respectful uh, of the investigative process. So we weren't seeking to do a national media tour of sorts, but we did want to be responsive
0: Enjoy yourselves. Hello. Some incredible people behind me. I want to just say that I'm honored to have the heroic crew and passengers of Southwest Flight 1380 at the White House today.
3: They, We had a number of different opportunities for them to look at. We helped them vet those opportunities. Um, they asked for some uh, training, you know, to be able to uh, handle the media well. We provided that training to them. Uh, but we, we were very much in sort of a support mode to be able to help them tell the story in the way that felt the most comfortable for
0: them. And I want to just thank you folks. Fantastic job. That's really fantastic. You're a little bit nervous up there? You knew who was piloting the plant, so you had no problem, right? (laughs) That's a fantastic job, really. They said you were calm and strong and cool. Thank you very much. Captain Schultz, I especially want to commend you for your life-saving actions. It's — everybody's talking about it. They're still talking about it. They'll be talking about it for a long time. I understand you are one of the first women ever to fly tactical fighter aircraft in the United States Navy. You drew from years of training and safety, and you knew how to land that plane. We salute you and every member of this group. Thank you very much.
1: You. So you're thinking about the near term, certainly, taking care of the passengers and making sure the response communicates the appropriate respect, but that the correct actions are being taken. But in the longer term, are you thinking also about Reputation and brand loyalty and things like that.
3: Well, we we always want to do the right thing, and while we had to uh, understand and respect what was happening in the aftermath of the accident, we also had an airline to run every day. So even after that accident, you know, the next morning there were four thousand flights that happened for Southwest Airlines. Uh, The website was selling tickets and checking people in. All of our airports were accepting passengers and processing passengers. So we really had to strike the balance between keeping the business running, responding to this accident, and then making sure that there wasn't anything that was upcoming in our corporate voice that would be seen as inappropriate. Um, we were a few weeks away at the time of the accident, about a month from our annual shareholders meeting. So we had conversations about making sure that we would strike the appropriate tone uh, for our shareholders meeting and knowing that we would get questions as to the status uh, of the investigation and being ready for that. So, um, you know, in in the name of the brand, in the name of reputation, we wanted to make sure that we were pacing things as we got back to uh, what I would call the normal uh, of, of everyday business, and that we were um, paying attention to what the needs of our various stakeholders were. So, you know, the, the media had one set of needs. People having conversations in the social space had one set of needs. Our employees needed to understand and process this for themselves and heal, um, you know, our corporate executives uh, who were part of the response effort needed time to sort of process what had happened and be able to turn and, and, and pivot back to running the business. Um, all of our various uh, revenue generating efforts needed to make sure that that we were pacing those in the right way. Uh, we went uh, essentially dark uh, for a few weeks after the accident in terms of all of our marketing and advertising. So. Obviously when you're not marketing or advertising the brand, you can see, you know, a, 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 a revenue dip from that. When we decided we wanted to put paid advertising back in digital spaces and on television, then we had to decide, well, what should that message be? You couldn't necessarily take something off the shelf that you had been using. It might not be the right tone. It might not be the right voice.
1: What kind of adjustments did you make in order to make it more appropriate?
3: Well, for example, I, you know the Southwest personality, as we've been talking about, is sort of big and bold. One of our advertising properties is a series of advertising called Want to Get Away. And so it uses humor as reasons why you might want to get away from that moment that you're in and go fly on Southwest Airlines. That didn't feel appropriate. In the days and weeks after the accident so the marketing and advertising team had to sort of reconstruct what a marketing message could look like uh, without the use of humor for a little while as an example
4: we're not your average airline and we wouldn't have it any other way we do everything uh, we opted
3: as we always do to use the voice of our employees uh, and, and really spoke to what kind of service we would provide you when you you know reward us with your business check
1: two bags you, you, you. Over 130 million of you chose to fly Southwest last year. That's what. So it NASA sounds like was... you were involved in helping the airline make some tough decisions in the near term that may have a negative financial consequence, but that you believed and the company's values made clear were the right thing to do.
3: It, it, I would tell you this is absolutely a team effort. So uh, many brains are better than one. I firmly believe that. And this is where, you know, revenue and marketing and communications and reputation and emergency response and finance all came together to make the best decision that we could, you know, at that point in time. And we certainly recognized that it was not going to be ideal from a revenue situation, but that we wanted to make sure that, you know, that we preserved um, the, the brand as best we could in the aftermath of such a horrible accident. And I think, uh, looking back, that we did a, a pretty good job.
1: So we're sitting here together a few months on from this event. Just a few weeks ago, there was an article in Inc. where the reporter was doing an evaluation of what's happened in the months since. And makes the point that there's a brand halo around the company that maybe helped it come through this sort of a situation better than another company or airline might have. What do you think the reporter meant by that?
3: I do think that Southwest has built a reputation for doing the right thing. I think we see that in our um on in our customer policies. You know, we don't nickel and dime. You know, you don't charge for checked bags. We don't charge change fees. So I think in our everyday business, we just want to do the right thing for our customers. I think for our employees, we want to create a stable, healthy work environment. You know, we 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 don't we've never laid anybody off, uh, and so we want our employees to know that it's a safe place to come to work and to do your best work. I think that over time, those things build a reputation for a company like Southwest that you know, bad things may happen, but there is a benefit of the doubt that Southwest will do its best in the response to that bad thing. And I think that's what the Inc. reporter was getting to and making the, and drawing the conclusion that if a company is set up like that, that they can recover perhaps more quickly than a company that doesn't have that benefit of the doubt, that they can see a rebound in their business more quickly, that they can get their employees or their workforce through the the change and um, grieving process uh, more quickly, that you can see the potential for stock price to recover. I think that's what the Inc. reporter was getting to.
1: So looking back on it yourself, what do you think are some of the big lessons here for somebody who's in the CCO role in a circumstance like this?
3: couple of things. Uh, First is, you know, this this response effort wasn't just a one-day effort. It was several weeks. And I think we have to be very careful that we don't wear people out with their assignments while they're trying to respond. So I think we have to be very mindful of what those resources look like and if they need a rest or if we have to substitute somebody else in that we're built to do that. I also think that this was a tragic accident with one loss of life and i know the extraordinary resources we put toward that so heaven forbid in the future there were to ever be an accident that resulted in more loss of life i want to make sure that our plan is set up that we can double triple or even quadruple the resources that we might need to help care for our employees and the customers uh, that might be impacted by that kind of an accident and making sure that we're really thinking about the resources it would take to do that in the right way, and when I say the right way, I mean in a timely manner, in a compassionate manner.
1: Is there something you might have done differently if you had it to do over again?
3: It has to do with our internal staffing. It's, mm. it's how we, we couldn't get people to go home so, you know, we, everyone has a role and we're all doing our roles. Well, you, people have to get rest. And so one of the things we learn from a staffing perspective is that we have got to force people to go home because I need you to come back tomorrow and be fresh to help do whatever needs to get done. And, and that's probably the, I don't know that it's a lesson learned, but it's something we're really going to have to drive next time because we can't have, you can't have everybody exhausted uh, when they're trying to respond to an, an accident. So, uh, but people are just so invested in doing the right thing and they had a role to play and they wanted to play their role. So it was really hard to get people to say, what I really need you to do is go home and get about four hours of sleep, take a shower and come back. Um, and I would say that was probably one of our greatest challenges. Again, it, it, it's not necessarily a communications lesson learned, but certainly the communications staff um, was absolutely dedicated to you know, delivering on what we wanted to say, creating that messaging, putting videos together. You know, doing Facebook Live, um, preparing communications for our senior executives, for all of our work groups, monitoring social. And so all of that, you know, there was just a flurry of activity. And I I think no one wanted to leave because everybody wanted to make sure that, that the accident response was the best it could possibly be.
1: Well, I think that says it all. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of The New CCO, be sure to check out our latest episodes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. To find out more about what's happening at PAGE, please visit us at page.org. Special thanks go to The Home Depot and to Rivet Smart Audio for making this season of The New CCO possible. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on The New CCO.